Welcome to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke, and today's guest is Dr. Yvonne Kaysan. She is the president and co-founder of Spiritual Awakenings International, past president of IANS, multiple NDE and STE experiencer, and author of several books, including her latest book, Soul Lessons from the Light. In this episode, we will be talking about the events that inspired the book, as well as her many experiences. Dr. Kaysan, welcome to the show, or should I say welcome back to the show? You can say either one. <laughs> you've been on Closer to Venus, I believe, twice already, and you've oh, had... Oh, it twice? Few... I thought it was yes. once. Oh, my goodness. No, it was twice. You've had many experiences, near-death experiences, mystical experiences, spiritually transformative experiences, and even past life recall. So what actually happened first and what puts you on this path? Well, that is what this book is all about, Soul Lessons from the Light. I'm really, really happy about it. This is my story of my own spiritual awakening and how... I came to be the person I am today, running Spiritual Awakenings International. As I share in the book, it basically, it started in my childhood. I didn't realize it when I was a child because, you know, as a kid, you don't have a barometer to measure what's normal, what's paranormal, right? I was just stuff that happened to me, right? I now realize the stuff that happened to me that I actually had two near-death experiences as a child. I had one when I was five years old, and I had another one when I was an 11 year old. But I didn't know that. When I was a five-year-old, what happened was I was traveling with my parents in Europe and we were at a train station and I was looking around and I saw a station hand jump off the platform onto the railway tracks and climb up onto the next platform. And I remember thinking, oh, that looks like fun. So I decided to do the same thing. So I leaned forward to jump onto the tracks. All of a sudden, it was like time stood still, like I was sort of suspended in space. It was like my life was a movie and someone had pressed the pause button, but my consciousness, my thinking still moved on. And suddenly my point of perception rose up and I was like maybe 25 feet above where my body was. I could see my little body there jumping out. From that perspective, 25 feet up, I could see what I had not seen when I started jumping, which was that there was a train pulling into the station and I was jumping right in front of a rapidly oncoming train. And I remember, because I hadn't looked both ways before you jump on the track, they teach you as a child to look both ways before you cross the street. I remember, was very odd, that I wasn't at all frightened. I was very, very calm very, very peaceful, and is like, oh, I see, I'm about to be hit by a train with this very, very unusual calm. And then all of a sudden, it was like somebody released the pause button and the motion picture of my life started again. And somebody grabbed me from behind, pulled me back onto the train platform and whoosh, the train whooshed in in front of me, you know, with a gust of wind. And I was not hit. As a five-year-old, I didn't know what that was, but now I know it was an out-of-body experience when I was close to death that would be categorized as a near-death experience. But at the time, as a five-year-old, I thought it meant I could fly. I think I was having out-of-body experiences and dreams because I have clear memories, too, of like flying down my street, etc., which, I mean, I clearly wasn't really doing it. I must have been doing it in my <laughs> dreams. <laughs> 
but I was convinced I could fly. And that's how I understood it as a five-year-old. I started kindergarten that fall and I made a little friend and I said, guess what? I can fly. And I went to show my friend I could fly. He said, no, you can't. I said, sure I can. And because I had such a clear memory of what I understood as flying. So I climbed up on my fence in front of my house. I spread out my arms like wings and I jumped off, wanted to fly down the street to show him. And of course, I just fell down to the ground. And I still remember to this day, my reaction. I was puzzled. I couldn't figure it out. Is it true that when people have near-death experiences at a very young age, they don't figure it out until much later. Oh, absolutely true. I had another one when I was 11, which I can tell you about if you wish, but I didn't figure out that these two experiences were near-death experiences till about five years ago. It's amazing because... A, I've had three adult near-death experiences, one in 79, one in 95, one in 2003. But all three of those were the mystical white light type of near-death experience. They were so different from my childhood ones, which were out-of-body type of near-death experiences, that I didn't even put them in the same ballpark, that I didn't realize this was the same type of phenomenon. I was researching near-death experiences and other spiritual experiences since 1976, actually, when I had my kundalini awakening. I started researching all sorts of paranormal phenomenon. But somehow, my childhood experiences were just lumped into stuff that happened when I was a kid. It was never labeled as something paranormal in my mind. And it was only about five years ago, I was actually preparing to give a presentation on near-death experiences. And they kept niggling the memory of these two childhood experiences. And I thought, okay... I'm a researcher. Let's see how many near-death experience criteria these experiences have. And it was, oh my goodness, they both qualify as near-death experiences. No wonder my life's been the way it has been. I've been having near-death experiences (laughs) since I was a kid. Since you're a child. Like many of us, you've learned that there are many different types of near-death experiences or NDEs, as they're called. Are all near-death experiences spiritually transforming? Yes. Probably not, right? Yes. No, they are. Yes, they are. It's a subcategory. Near-death experiences is one subtype of spiritually transformative experiences. So spiritually transformative experiences is a term that I, in fact, coined back in 1994. It's an umbrella term. And I talk about it in my book. (laughs) But it's an umbrella term because I found myself in my own spiritual awakening journey, that I was having lots of different types of experiences. So I had these two experiences in childhood that were out-of-body experiences. I now realize were near-death experiences. My next big STE happened when I was in medical school. I had a profound experience, which I now know was a kundalini awakening with a mystical experience. But I didn't have time to think about it. I was busy studying for my medical school exams and stuff. So I just sort of put that aside, think about that later. But when I was a medical resident, I was in a plane crash, a medevac plane crash, where I was almost killed. And that's when I had my first mystical near-death experience, out of body, up into the light, feeling the love of the higher power, totally transformed me. I lost my fear of death. I know what souls live on after they die, like totally transformative. Then a few weeks after that, I had 
a psychic awakening. I started having clairvoyant experiences, clairaudient experiences, clairsentient experiences. So here's me. I'm a young medical doctor, top of my class, very bright. I know I'm not crazy. I'm having a whole bunch of different types of experiences that I think must in some way be related because they're all happening to me. I started researching what's known about near-death experiences, what's known about mystical experiences, what's known about psychic experiences, what's known about kundalini awakening. I came to this understanding that what made sense to me was that they're all connected and that we need a way to, in the Western world, to talk about them and not hokey pokey, fluffy, this, that. And it's not mental illness. It's not hallucinations. These are real experiences happening to people. So the term came to me, spiritually transformative experiences, as an umbrella term that would encompass the broad range of types of experiences people are having. Near-death experiences are one subtype. Also asked me, are, are all NDE spiritually transformative? My answer to that was yes, but they're not always the same degree of spiritually transformative. The ones that are the most spiritually transformative are the mystical type or the white type where people go into the white light and meet the higher power. They might have a life review, all that sort of stuff. Remember their past lives. That is by far the most transformative and life-changing. Many people have mystical experiences. Some have them spontaneously while meditating. Some have them while looking at a sunset. Some have them because they've fallen in love. Some have them because they've been initiated by a guru. Even others have them taking psychedelics. There could be many triggers to a mystical experience. Near death is one of the triggers to a mystical experience. So whatever the trigger to the mystical experience, the mystical experience is the most transforming type of spiritually transformative experience. So the NDE is just one trigger. And yes. very good point about the mystical experience. There seems to be many routes yes. to get to that experience, such as you just touched on it, plant medicine, mm -hmm. psychedelics, and that type of thing, mm -hmm. meditation. Meditation, yeah. Meditation in my research was in fact the strongest trigger. And that's what the yogis and the Buddhists have encouraged people to do is to meditate regularly. I understand that by meditation, you learn to still the chatter of your mind. And when you still the chatter of your mind, it makes it possible for your consciousness to open to these states to a much greater way all types of STEs. Now you had mentioned after one of your NDEs, you started having instances of clairvoyance, claircognizance. Yes. I interviewed your colleague, Robert, Robert mm -hmm. Bear, mm -hmm. and he mentioned the same thing that after his experience, I think he had two NDEs. Yes. And he actually told me that those type of abilities were like magnified. And at some point he had mediumistic type abilities and he didn't want anything to do with it. So that's a pretty common thing, isn't it? That those people that have those experiences do have an elevated psychic ability of some sort. Well, how I've come to understand it and what I've experienced in my own life and what I share in my book is that it's like the range of normal human consciousness seems to be expanding. 
And that's what happened with me. My childhood experiences started to open the door in my consciousness. Then when I had the Kundalini awakening in medical school, that opened the door even further. And maybe that's why I've had so many near-death experiences in my lifetime, because the door was already open when I was in my 20s. It was easier for me to cross over. But those aren't the only experiences I had. I also had mystical experiences along the way. I've had inspired creative experiences. Experiences. I've had past life memories and mediumship. Yes, that's all been a part of uh, my journey too. And it's an interesting point you bring up. It's that it wasn't like I was looking for these types of experiences or even wanting to have these types of experiences. They were happening to me. And it was actually a challenge most of my life because I didn't really understand what was happening to me. For many years, I didn't even have names to call these experiences. My near-death experience in the medevac plane crash, I asked somebody right after it happened if it might have been a near-death experience. And I remember they said to me, well, did you see a tunnel with a light at the end? And I went, no. And then they went, well, were you completely clinically dead? And I said, well, no, I was close to death, but I wasn't dead. And then they said, well, it's not a near-death experience. So I thought, okay, it's not a near-death experience. What is it? What am I going to call it? it? Yeah. So I started looking and trying to find even a word to call it. And the best word I was able to find for many years was a mystical experience. So I would call it my mystical experience that happened in my plane crash. And being in the closet about it, not talking to people, because that's the other challenge of having these various spiritually transformative experiences. They have nobody to talk to. I tried to talk with my medical colleagues, and they all dismissed it as some sort of hallucination that was brought on by an electrolyte imbalance or a low blood sugar or something. And this was no hallucination. That near-death experience in the plane crash changed me profoundly in a very, very positive way, in a very deep way. I lost my fear of death. I became much more tolerant of people of multi-faiths because I just understood, I knew that all faiths were trying to understand the same one truth underlying the universe and that the loving higher power loves everybody regardless of size, shape, and color or what way we're trying to climb the mountain. We all have incomplete understanding and increased my capacity to love and to forgive. This is not a low blood sugar, you know, so. <laughs> Although it might seem like low blood sugar, you need some crackers and cheese or something, right? That's right. And the effect was so permanent and all of my near death experiences are incredibly powerfully clearly etched in my memory, which is one of the characteristics of near-death experiences, how clearly the memory is etched. I mean, you ask me, what do you have for breakfast two months ago? I don't know. You know, unless you eat the same breakfast every day, you're not going to remember, but I can remember these experiences. And the other thing about these experiences and my mystical experiences is talking about them or writing about them or remembering them brings the feelings back. And I start feeling that love again, and that joy and that elevation, like I'm feeling it right now, because I'm starting to think about one of them. And that doesn't happen. When I talk about I had really good chocolate cake yesterday, and maybe I might salivate, but that's about it. (laughs) So so there's, there's something really different about these memories. They're very, very powerful. 
And so I had to be in the closet and particularly as a medical doctor and I had a teaching position at the University of Toronto. I had to like live a double life for most of my life. And I talk about this in the book. My public life, I was this mainstream medical doctor and I had this great teaching position, etc. Then my in the closet private life, I was a spiritual seeker. And I was a mystic and I was having all these incredible experiences and I was studying everything I could, various spiritual traditions from different spiritual teachers, from medicine, from psychology, from transpersonal psychology, trying to understand what was actually happening to me. There sort of came a coming together point. And for me, that happened in 1990 when I finally came to a place within myself that I felt confident enough within myself to say, okay, I don't care if nobody believes me or not, but I know I've had a near-death experience. (laughs) And I know that I've had a kundalini awakening. And I know I had a mystical experience. And I know that I'm having psychic phenomenon and I'm not crazy. This stuff is real. And and it was around that time that spirit gave me my calling experience that it was time to come out of the closet. Your experience obviously speaks volumes, but with your work with Spiritual Awakenings International, as well as IANS, for that matter, you've no doubt seen hundreds, if not more cases, documented cases of past life memories and near-death experiences and, and other mystical experiences, I think it's very hard to really explain to someone that I had a past life memory, I'm a man, and in my past life, for instance, I was a woman. Yes. So how can you really dismiss that as your imagination or one of your memories because you actually changed gender, for instance? Yeah. That's just one example. Yeah. Right. Now, you've had many of these different experiences. And you also mentioned the mediumistic type ability. Were there any instances of afterlife communication? Oh, yes, very definitely. It seems to me that my particular consciousness, because I'm an avid meditator and I've been meditating regularly for over 40 years now, I think it both grounds you and it also makes you more open to many types of spiritually transformative experiences. I've written the book on spiritually transformative experiences and was able to because not only have people told me and I've researched it, but I've experienced almost every type. So yes, after death communication, the ones I like to share is I was engaged a few years back and my fiance unfortunately passed away due to complications from heart surgery before we were married. So I was grieving the loss and I was actually flying to speak at a conference about near-death experiences. The plane was just at that very, very top part of the clouds just before it breaks through into the bright sunshine where it's all sparkly and light around you. And I've always said that that is the closest I have found on earth to what it was like when I was in the white light realm in my near-death experience. It was that soft, sparkly, luminescent light that right at the top of clouds. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm close to heaven. <laughs> I'm close to heaven. I don't know, if because I was thinking of heaven, if that made me open to the possibility. All of a sudden, I could smell my fiance's aftershave. He liked to wear Old Spice. And so I remember I could smell it really, really strong, the Old Spice. So my first thought was, 
oh, there must be somebody around me in the plane who's wearing Old Spice. And I looked around and actually there were no men anywhere near me in the plane. And so, oh, that's strange. And then all of a sudden, it was like I could feel his presence. I could feel his energy. Like how I knew it was him, it's hard to say. It's like I could feel his energy and I could feel his love. It was like he was just bathing me in love. And I actually heard his voice say, I love you. And I had this incredible experience. It was like our souls were in communion or something for a few minutes. And then it disappeared and away went the smell of Old Spice. And to me, this is just hysterical because it started with the smell of his cologne. And I don't know how these things work. But that's one example of an after-death communication. I had another one about a year or so ago I want to share with you because some people might find this very interesting. I received a text message from a close friend who had just died. And I'd heard that these things could happen, that people could communicate using sometimes computers or text message, but... Electronics. Yeah, electronics. And I had just gotten the news that this woman, who was a very close friend, had passed away. So I was sort of praying for her, and I was crying a little bit. And all of a sudden, my cell phone goes off. (laughs) It's like, oh, who's sending me a text message? I look over, and it was from her. She's gone. She couldn't have sent the text message. And she said, I'm thinking of you. And it was like, oh, my goodness, I couldn't believe it at first. I thought, is somebody playing a prank? Has somebody got into her cell phone and they're sending me like a prank message? But no, it was from her. Anyway, I've had several after-death communications over the years. And yes, very definitely, that's been one of the phenomenon I've experienced. At one point, your medical practice became focused on counseling patients who had those kind of experiences, paranormal, spiritual. Tell us a little bit about when that happened and what you learned from it and what we can learn from it. I specialized my medical practice in the counseling of patients who'd had near-death experiences and other spiritually transformative experiences. I did that in 1990. I was actually the first Canadian medical doctor to specialize my practice in that area. The reason that I did that is because I had a very, very, very strong, what I call calling mystical experience. I had been invited to speak at a conference in California in a Silomar that was on Kundalini Awakening. And that was actually the first time I'd spoken at a major international conference on Kundalini. It was put on by the Spiritual Emergence Network and the Institute for Transpersonal Psychology. And I'd not mentioned, but I had met Gopi Krishna in India, and he had mentored me and taught me a lot about Kundalini. So people wanted to know what I had learned from him about Kundalini. There were experiencers there people who'd had kundalini awakening, who were so moved by the fact that I, as a medical doctor, had come right out and said, I have had a kundalini awakening. Because their experience had been that they had been told they were mentally ill, told that this was some sort of psychiatric disorder, 
told by their churches it was work of the devil, told by their family that we don't believe you, you're hallucinating, whatever, marriage is broken up. Horrible. It's the same sorts of things that unfortunately happen, have been happening to NDE experiencers were also happening to Kundalini experiencers. And they were so appreciative that I, as a medical doctor, even knew what a Kundalini awakening was, let alone I was saying, I've had one myself and I believe you, I understand you, you're not crazy. They felt so validated, it was so important. People were crying and hugging me. I was so deeply moved by this. I was profoundly deeply moved. So I went for a walk. Asilomar is right on the Pacific Ocean and there was these big sand dunes there. And I went for the walk in the sand dunes. It was at night, clear sky. And all of a sudden, it was like the heavens opened and my consciousness just cracked open. Where my head used to be became like a sun, like a beacon of light, radiating light in all directions. And I could taste, they call it emrita, like this nectar dripping in the back of my throat. And as I was in this incredible state of consciousness, I suppose you'd call it illumination with the light, I just knew. I didn't hear a word spoken. I just knew that I was being called, that it was time to come out of the closet. And I needed to advocate for experiencers. So I did. I came back to Toronto. I spoke to my department head at the university and said, I'll resign my university position if you want, but I want to now specialize in helping people who've had diverse types of spiritual experiences and researching it. I think my guardian angels overshadowed him that day because he said to me, well, Yvonne, as long as you're doing research, it's okay with me. You don't have to give up your university position. So I ended up launching the Spiritual Emergence Research and Referral Clinic. That's what I called it. And then that became my career specialty. People from all over Canada, and even from the United States, were coming to see me in my office as patients because they wanted to find a medical doctor who would validate their experiences. And so I built up a tremendous amount of clinical experience over the years, counseling experiencers, in addition to my research and in addition to my personal experiences. That's why I started writing books and raising awareness everywhere. I really felt called because the medical profession was doing harm by labeling experiencers as crazy. Public was doing harm by labeling experiencers as crazy. And churches were doing harm by labeling experiencers of work of the devil, right? They've done more than their share of harm, but that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. Actually, wait, I think we've had that discussion already. <laughs> Fast forward to the present, you take your experience being an experiencer, and you co-founded Spiritual Awakenings International, which seems to be a haven for spiritual seekers, especially those people that want to come out of that closet. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Even the birth of Spiritual Awakenings International is from an STE, the Spiritually Transformative Experience. It was almost a year before we launched it that I was talking with Robert Baer I was at that time nominated to be president for IANS, and he was nominated to be vice president. And I had approached him about that we would run together as a slate rather than as two individuals, which we decided we would do. While we were talking, he's intuitive too as an experiencer. He got a download and he says, you know, Yvonne, 
I think in the future, we're going to found another organization together. We're being called to found another organization in the future. And my reaction was, well, I'm going to have to meditate about that. and I'll get back to you. So right after we got off the phone call, I went into meditation because something like reverberated inside of me when he said that, because I hardly knew him. I'd only met him. And when I meditated, I personally had a powerful STE, what I call a download of higher guidance. I was told, yes, you and Robert are to found a new organization. And it's going to look at all types of spiritually transformative experiences. And then I was given the name and the name of the organization is Spiritual Awakenings International. It's like, wow, I was like shaking with the intensity of the message. So this is now the second time in my life that I've had a calling. So the first one was when I went out of the closet. And this time is, you're going to found Spiritual Awakenings International, and you're going to do it with Robert, this man that I hardly knew. <laughs> so anyway, and that came to pass about a year later in 2020. We launched Spiritual Awakenings International. We served our terms in IANS, and then when we both knew it was time to move on, my focus has always been, I include the near-death experience, but it was always greater than the near-death experiences. It included all types of spiritual awakenings. And the other difference is that my priority at this point in my life is no longer research. I've done tons of research. My priority is supporting experiencers. And so that's, I think, what you're saying that, that SAI or Spiritual Awakenings International is a safe haven for experiencers. And also my writing this book, So Lessons from the Light, is also to create a safe haven for experiencers. I think when people read this and hoping that that's going to support and encourage other people who are also going through the ups and downs and challenges of having a life with lots of these spiritually transformative experiences. And the website for SAI, which I think it's going to be known as sooner than later, is it's spiritualawakeningsinternational.org, right? Mm-hmm, that's okay, correct. Mm-hmm. I, I will definitely put that in the show notes in the transcript as well. One last question. A lot of us really want to know heaven, home. Is it real? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And it is home. It is home. It is everything that you are craving. And my last near-death experience, which was in 2003, I was completely dead for a period of time. That was my only near-death experience where I was actually clinically dead for a period of time. When I was whisked out of my body, my spirit was whisked out. I had a slip and fall accident. I hit my head, serious brain injury, and I died instantly. And I felt my spirit whisked out of my body by a force greater than myself up through this dark expanse of space. Some might call it a tunnel, but it was like a dark expanse of space. And then I entered the white light realm. I was greeted there by two beings of light, two saints from my particular spiritual tradition, Paramahansa Yogananda and Mahavatar Babaji. They were in their light bodies glistening with light. And they telepathically, because all communication is telepathic there, communicated with me that I had died, that my work was done in the incarnation of Dr. Yvonne Quezon. And the feeling was like a celebration. It was like a graduation party was being held in my honor. The love of the higher power was like so profound. I remember that I had a thought. It was like, 
uh-oh, here comes the life review because, you know, I'd heard about people having the life review. And, like, who's had a perfect life? And everyone's made mistakes, myself included. And it was incredible because the powerful love up there, it's like one of the saints turned and looked at me and, like, they could read my thought. And then it was like, just with a glance, transmitted the understanding to me of uh, don't worry about it. And the understanding that the love of the higher power is so profound that the higher power understands that just like children, when you're learning to walk, they stumble, they fall, they skin their knees, they bump their head. It's part of the learning process that the, the divine understands. And I just sort of dissolved into this incredible love of like all is perfect with the universe and this is where I belong and this is where I fit and this is where I'm completely understood and this is where I'm completely loved. But even beyond that, I then went into sort of a state of consciousness where it was not visual, like it wasn't anymore like I was seeing the beings of light or the white light realm, but it was that my capacity to know and understand was like infinitely huge. And I suddenly like through like a veil had been removed from my consciousness. I suddenly could now remember all of my past lives. And it was like an aha experience because suddenly my weird and wacky life is starting on case on having all these experiences I talk about in my book. It suddenly made sense in the context of all my past lives. It like it all fit together. It was like the jigsaw puzzles of my many lives were all put together and I could see the whole picture and it was all coherent. It all made sense because for my soul, that has incarnated in all these different bodies, both male and female and all different colors and all different races and different times in history and different planets that our soul journey is incredibly vast and complex. My particular soul had been having spiritually transformative experiences for many incarnations, near-death experiences, mystical experiences, psychic phenomena, kundalini, inspired creativity. So, from a soul perspective, my soul was just sort of continuing on from where we left off last time around. And so it all made sense. I wasn't so weird and wacky after all, from that perspective. <laughs> I like that. I don't really know what else to ask after that. That was incredible. Anything else that we should know? I'm very, very excited about my new book, Soul Lessons from the Light. It's just come out. While I was practicing medicine, I never felt really free to talk about all of the experiences that had happened to me. So I was always a little bit cautious because I didn't want to lose my medical license. <laughs> but I'm retired now and I don't have to worry about repercussions. So it's wonderful. But there's another thing I want to mention. The other thing about this book is it's the result of a miracle and it's a testimonial. So it's very, very special to me for that reason because as I mentioned, I had that near-death experience in 2003 when I died, when I hit my head. I had a very serious traumatic brain injury from that. I was given the choice at the end of timeless time on the other side, because, you know, time doesn't pass the same on the other side. I accepted to go back to my body. And I was told it would be more difficult. And it was difficult because when I came back to my body, I was disabled due to traumatic brain injury for more than 12 years. And I went for neuro rehab. I did everything you could think of, detoxes, cleanses, took out all my mercury fillings, everything you can think of 
to try and heal, but my brain injury didn't heal. And I had lost my ability to write. I'd lost my ability to practice medicine. I'd lost my ability to use the keyboard on the computer. I had to work really hard to get that back. But a miracle happened February 24th, 2016, and I do have the story in the book too, I experienced a miracle. When I was deep in meditation in Encinitas, California, at the Self-Realization Fellowship Retreat, at a spot that I consider a holy spot is where Paramahansa used to meditate and go into samadhi, into God consciousness. They say in yoga that where saints have communed with God, there's a very high spiritual vibration imprint left there. So that if you go and meditate in these spots that you get a spiritual blessing. And I certainly felt that because on that spot, all of a sudden while I was meditating, I had inwardly experienced like an eruption of light in the center of my brain. It was like an illuminated fountain of liquid light in the center of my brain that had been in darkness for 12 years. What it felt like, my brain woke up and my brain was healed. I had a miraculous brain healing experience. And it was like a floodgate opened in my consciousness at that time. And all these ideas for what I was going to write in my books, my next books, were flooding through my consciousness. And I got the strong inner message, pass on what you have learned. So this is what I'm doing now with my new book. This is the second book I've written since my brain healing. And Spiritual Awakenings International is another part of passing on what I have learned. This is a testimonial to a miracle. I could not have written this book if it hadn't been for that miracle. And my last message in the book that I'm just going to leave you with is that there is always hope. Never give up hope because with God, all things are possible. I'm not using God in the religious sense. I'm using it in the spiritual sense. With the higher power, with the loving force behind the universe, all things are possible. Miracles do happen, and I'm a testimonial to that. And this book is a testimonial to miracles do happen. Dr. Kaysan, thanks so much for joining us today. How can our listeners find more about you online? My personal website is dryvonkason.com. So that's D-R-Y-V-O-N-N-E-K-A-S-O-N.com. Or you can go to the Spiritual Awakenings International website, spiritualawakeningsinternational.org. I will put that in the notes in the transcript as well. You've been listening to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. For more info, please go to closertovenus.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.